Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode. And is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. Wrestling fans, and welcome to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is a very special episode, and I'm Joe Murata. This is Michael Quinn. How you doing, Quinn? Howdy doody. Howdy doody. We are here, folks, for a very special midweek episode. We're here to talk to a very special guest, but before we get to that, I just wanted to let you folks know where you can find us, of course. You can reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can follow us. You can tweet at us. We will follow back. We will respond. You can also email us if you use that <laughs> at ovppodcast at gmail.com. That is ovppodcast at gmail.com. And Quinn, there's a bunch of places to find our normal Monday retro wrestling podcast. Where might those places be, sir? Well, we're all over the place. We're at uh, iTunes, where you can leave an iTunes review yeah. if you so choose. We so like that. We like that. You can get us on Google Play Music, yep. Stitcher, yep. Blueberry, yep. FM Player, <laughs> Player uh, FM. Tune in, and tune in. We're, we're all over the place. We are all over the place. We also have a website, Quinn. What yes, is the address do. of that? It is ovppodcast.com. That's right. And folks, we also have a YouTube where we will sometimes post video versions of certain things or live stream yeah, archives. Yeah. On- promos whatever yep. there's all sorts of fun stuff on the youtube yep. and you can find that simply by either going to our website and going to the link or just searching for our vantage point retro wrestling podcast on youtube we yep. will be there if you yes, want to we will if you want to see what we look like <laughs> <laughs> special thank you to scott's blog of doom yes scott keith the one and only a friend of the show if yep. you will and also to the place to be nation we are on the place to be nation place to be nation.com if you are not there why don't you check out that site? It's got some great podcasts on there, Quinn. Yeah, it's a great place. They got the uh, Place to Be Nation podcast yep. and uh, Clotheslines and Headlines yep, the, main event. It, it, it's a really a, like a lot of good shows on a there. A lot of good shows, and we happen to be on there, Yeah, which is a nice honor. Um, we might have some first-time listeners here. I just want to let you folks know that even though this is going to be an interview that we're doing, our normal Monday retro wrestling podcast is a grab bag, if you will. Yes, it is. <laughs> a potpourri of different retro wrestling topics from the 80s, from the 90s, maybe the 2000s, maybe the 70s. Yeah, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know who's lucky in that <laughs> 70s wrestling. But folks, obviously, you're here to hear something, and you're here to hear us talk to Sean Frickin' Mooney. That's right. So I think it's about time we introduce him. Yes, we should. Folks, if you are listening to this podcast, you know who this man is. He was a recognizable voice and face in the WWF from 1988 until 1993. It is the one and only Sean Mooney. Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, it's quite an introduction, except this time you didn't say Sean friggin' Mooney. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say Sean Mooney who either. <laughs> so, Sean, what I want to know, how did this all get started? You appeared on the scene in 88, pretty much out of nowhere, replacing Craig DeGeorge. How did this get started? How did you get this job? 
Uh, it was pretty crazy as uh, most of my career has been. I was working for Major League Baseball Productions at the time in New York City. I had grown up out here in Tucson, and they had a show out here called The Baseball Bunch they did in the offseason with Johnny Bench. I don't know if anybody remembers that, but it was produced by Major League Baseball Productions, and I talked my way onto the set and got a production assistance job right after I'd graduated from the U of A. And, you know, they hired me and there was a, it was about a six week show and, and Johnny Bench was the host and all these major league ball players would come out because it was near spring training and they would shoot these episodes. They had the chicken, remember the San Diego chicken? He was the <laughs> yep. mascot on the show. It was really fun. And they shot it out here because it was, the weather was good. And like I said, you know, these guys are getting set for spring training so that it was an easy schedule for them. Anyway, I worked on this show and anytime anybody came out, I would give them my stupid resume that I had nothing on and <laughs> and it wrapped up after about six weeks and two weeks later, I got a phone call and said, hey, if you can get out here, we'll give you a job as a viewer, they call it. And I basically went back to New York City. I'd never been there in my life with three bags and slept on couches <laughs> and worked my way up with them for about six years. And I started as a producer, but anytime there was a chance, because I always wanted to be on camera, I would jump in front of uh, you know a camera and, and I, I taught myself how to edit and do all these other things. So I became, you know, somewhat valuable to them. And I started doing, you know, it was, the, it was a birth of cable at that time. I mean, they had, you know, I think HTS was one of the first sports networks and they had all these demand, they had this big demand for shows. So that's how I got on television. Cause I would just, you know, anytime they needed something produced, uh, they just had these shows they had to do. And uh, they had this show called race for the pennant. They would, put this show together and they would send it to these local stations and they would put their local sports guy. Well, they had some of these places that they didn't have, you know, talent. So I would just plunk myself in as the host of this thing. And anyway, I got on <laughs> and then they decided they wanted to start expanding, doing uh, more sports. And they signed Joe Namath to do the show. It's called oh, light wow. moments of sports. Yeah. Imagine me. I mean, here, this is back in, uh, you know, 1984 or something like that. 85, 86. And Joe Namath, you know, I mean, if growing up, guy you idolized the the ultimate bachelor. Yeah, definitely. One of it really was one of the first blooper shows ever produced, really, that, that was on a you know, a regular weekly show. And we somebody had suggested because we used to do the baseball bloopers and they said, Well, what about all these other sports? So we actually did this show and Joe was the host, but he couldn't go out and do these features. So I'm like I'll do it, I'll do it. <laughs> and so I went on crazy stories. I did, you know, I went to a paintball camp and got shot up and <laughs> I went to these camel Olympics out they sent me out to California and I rode camels and ostriches Jeez. but it was just like this great opportunity well one of the stories because I promise guys I'm getting to the point of this was at there's a place called the monster factory and I think it still exists in New Jersey it was a wrestling school yeah Larry Sharp yes pretty boy Larry Sharp and he had the school there and one of the producers said you know really fun to send Mooney to this wrestling camp because you know I would do anything and I was just kind of a goofball and I was trying to get on TV. <laughs> so they sent me to this wrestling school. Now, as you, Joe, pointed out, I knew nothing about wrestling. I didn't grow up with it, following it or anything like that. I knew who Hulk Hogan was. I knew that that was, you know, beginning to really erupt at the time. But anyway, they sent me to this wrestling school. And, you know, the story, it's the idiot reporter guy who goes there and tries to get involved <laughs> and they show him the ropes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And they beat the stuffing out of me, you know, because you get these marks that go in there, these idiots, and, you know, they t and they don't. And I, I was smart enough not to be an idiot and say something like, hey, this is fake or something like that. But they still, Larry was a really good sport about it. 
But it turned out to be, you know, it's a funny piece. You can probably find it somewhere. I think it's on YouTube. I'm going to have to, Sean. I'm going to have to find that now. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to see that. <laughs> get a, a laugh out of it. But anyway, a guy that I worked with happened to get a job up in Stanford where they were, I don't know how, you know, soon before that, that Vince had moved the headquarters there. But he was working in the library or something. And Vince, this show was on NBC. It was a syndicated show, you know, that they sold independently. And Vince had, saw the show and I don't know how he made a comment about it or whatever. And this guy heard him or heard about it and said, I know that guy. Hmm. And so I get this phone call from Scott, this Scotty Davis is his name. And he, and he said, Vince wants you, wants to meet you, wants uh, to you know, see maybe if you want a, ch- a chance working with us. And I'm like, what? You know, like what? And this call from one of their, you know, HR people and says, can you come up to Stanford and audition? And I'm like, you know, I'm at that point, I'm like, I'll do anything. You know, I just and, and I didn't I, I'd seen, you know, how big this was getting. And I forget what the hell. So I took the train up to Stanford and they put me through this stupid audition. And you know, <laughs> they give you a broom and do something with it. Right, right. I'd seen some of those rails. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you've seen and they just it's just really ridiculous. And to my credit, I had, you know, I had like two weeks to prepare. And I one thing I've always done in my career is. I need to, I know what I need to know. I would you know, like super, you know, intense research. So by the time I went up there, I knew every guy on the roster. I had, you know, read a couple of wrestling books. I mean, I just really just dove into it because, you know, I had this opportunity. So I went up there and the audition went okay, but I was really green. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. But I had in the back of my mind, I said, you know, if I get a chance, I'm just going to do something completely different. I'm just going to say, hey, can I do this? And I kind of put this skit in my mind about, you know, hey, you, you're a closet wrestler. It's time to come out. And there was some, I can't even remember. <laughs> Stupid. But I did it. And I think that, you know, when Vince eventually saw the tape, that was the thing that he just said, well, you know, he's like trying stuff. And it was something different. And like, I didn't hear anything for two weeks, which is normal for WWF. Usually it's longer. But this guy called me up and he offered me the job. Wow. wow. Really? And I had worked with uh, on a show with Tim McCarver called Greats of the Game, and I got to be pretty close with Tim. And he had made that transition from sports or whatever and doing and gotten into TV, and he was terrible to start with. And I'd gotten to be pretty good friends with him, and I called him up, and I said, you know, you know, he knew what I wanted to do. And he said, you know what? you got to get on to get on. You know, and I'm like, what? He goes, you got to get on. You know, there's no, yeah, you're not, yeah. if you don't have a chance, you're never going to know. So that's how it started. And wow. I went up there, and the rest is history. But it was nuts. Do you happen to remember your first day on the job with WWF? Uh, I don't know if I remember the first day uh, being up there. I remember specific things that happened. I remember the first time that I ever saw Hulk was in, you know, um, at the TV facility. And we had this big edit room. It was uh, edit one. You know, and Kevin Dunn at the time was just was a producer, you know, and, and it was a very small staff. It was just us. And I remember Hulk came in and... You know, this was where the, he was really starting to crest that, the, you know, the fame had really started to set in with him. And I remember that's the only thing he said to me. They said, introduced me. And he goes, hey, did you bring a bag? And, and I said, yeah. And he said, don't unpack. <laughs> I was like, that was it. And I was like, it was just kind of a, kind of a great start there. But I remember specifically my first live event is that, you know, this is before they were going to put me on the air or anything. And I was just kind of just finding out what this whole world was like. And one of the first events I went to was in Bridgeport, Connecticut, which is not far from Stanford. And they drove me up there. And I remember 
walking into you know the, in the back of the ring of these doors and and walking into the backstage area and all the guys were all the boys were sitting around at these tables but i just what really stands out to me was i remember seeing mr fuji and axe and smash in full costume full <laughs> awesome every, <laughs> cribbage 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 they loved you know they that's they passed the time they would play like cribbage you know and i remember like, and then seeing all these other people walking around i said i have joined the circus <laughs> i was just gonna say it sounds like the circus <laughs> yeah that those are the things that really stand out to me but the event center because i don't think they really knew what to do with me because craig DeGeorge or craig mernavini is his real name whatever yep. and he's become you know he went on to become a, uh, an announcer down in florida and he's still doing things down there but he he didn't really have he, he did you know you guys probably know better than i do but he he did kind of these wraparound updates and stuff like that well they wanted to start this thing called the event center because Vince wanted it, which was brilliant in a lot of ways, was to customize all these markets. Right. Mm-hmm. And so Gene had started doing this, and he wanted no part of it. I mean, he oh, just wow. – that, that the last thing in the world that he wanted to do because, you know, you customize – I don't know if you guys really knew what I did at the time, but we customized, you know, at one point probably 90-plus markets a week. Whoa. Yeah, we've noticed – all of these like different there's we there's shows on YouTube where it's like a different market. like market. So we totally got get you. It must be very time consuming. Oh, oh, it was it was unbelievable because it was, you know, superstars and all these all these shows. I don't know how many there were, but we were basically customized for every show. And I was in the show three times and each one had an open, a bridge and a close you know, you couldn't put that into a teleprompter. It was just way too much material. So what we, what they did was we, they had a, the teleprompter, but they just used the camera and would put the card in there for me. And I'd have to ad lib these. I mean, it was the tremendous learning tool for me mm. just over and over and over again. You get set what you were saying and then you'd customize it to each market, but it was brutal because let's say you do 20 markets in or something. And then Howard would call me because he was kind of the guy that kept all that stuff together when he went to the TVs and stuff and told the guys what promos they had to do. And he'd call and go uh, out in the studio and he'd call, hey, uh, Berserker, you know, hurt something. He's going to be out. <laughs> he's going to miss 12 cars. I'd already done, you know, 10 cities that he's oh, in. Geez. We have to go back and redo them all. Oh, yeah, it was it was brutal. I just said it was a great learning tool, you know, I mean, to sure. learn how to do that and your voice and everything develop. But I was like. When I started, and I look back at some of this stuff, I'm like, how in the world did they ever put me on TV? <laughs> Honest to God, if you look at that early stuff, I liken it to the, the loudmouth frog. Because I would say, no, 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 big event taking place at the Madison Square Garden. Because Howard kept telling me, you got to be bigger. you got to do yeah, this. Yeah. And finally, th- this, is stu- this is ridiculous. So I was, I'm going to do it my way. And if they don't like it, you know, but I can't keep screaming like this. And like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so then I eventually developed my own style and went from there, you know. But I don't know how, why they ever put me on because I was, <laughs> I was so bad. I was bad. That that leads me to my next question, Sean. You know, I'm a hardcore wrestling nerd, especially stuff from the 80s and 90s. And the first time I watched an event from a Milwaukee WrestleFest 88, July of 88, you were already on play-by-play. Now, you were brand new. I know that much because you had just started uh, in 88. And you're calling matches a couple of months into your tenure. What the hell was that like to be calling play-by-play that early? Oh, man. It was tough, you know. And thank God for Lord Alfred Hayes because <laughs> if it wasn't for him and Gorilla uh, and the fact that Alfred took me under his wing 
after he figured out I was okay. Because, you know, if you knew, you knew what was going on at that time where, you know, old school was, you know, the, we still had a lot of these wrestling families, guys that came up. It, the business was what it was. Carney was part of the language, you know, mm-hmm. and, and Vince started, you know, realized that I can't take this to the next level production wise and, and, and quality wise with people that just come, came up through wrestling and, you know, these, these small town, you know, uh, little arenas or TV studios, you know? Right. And so he started bringing people in like that were from networks and you know that. And I was, I was one of the outside guys. And so there was, it was a really, you talk about, you know, hazing periods and trying to fit in. And you know, so Alfred, after a few months figured out I was, I was, you know, it was okay. And we, started to become, you know, friends and he looked out after me and so did, and so did gorilla. And, you know, those play by plays, uh, beginning, I mean, if it wasn't for Alfred, there's no way I would have you know, been able to do it, but really it just came down to, they didn't have anybody else. Mm. And this was a time when they're starting to put matches overseas and they just needed people. And that's how I got thrown into that. I mean, we would, I, I certainly had no business doing it because I wasn't you know, very green. I mean, I learned yeah. on the fly. Well, you guys were like, you know, you and Alfred were pretty much one of the, the solid teams that you would see on a lot of those sure. shows. Coliseum video. Yeah. Primetime wrestling exclusives, things like that. And and you know what? Honestly, Sean, and I'm not just saying this. I've said it on the show plenty of times. I love listening to you and Alfred Hayes. I think you're a great team. There's just a, a natural chemistry there. You can tell you guys like each other. What I wanted to ask you about that, when you did, for example, the Coliseum video exclusives and things of that nature, I know you did that, I'm sure, in Stanford or wherever the TV facility was. Did Vince have anything to do with that, or were you guys kind of just left to your own devices? Yeah, well, that's it's funny you would mention that, because, you know, at the time, it was it was kind of a throwaway thing, these, you know... Hmm. The, it's just kind of the birth of a lot of this stuff. And they just had an opportunity to make some money with these. They didn't know if people were going to buy them or whatever. So we were really honest. We were just left on our own. And and Alfred and I, and there was a guy, um, Kevin, what was his name? But he was the he was the producer, Kevin Braniff. And anyway, his father was an ABC executive, but he you know wanted to make it on his own. And, and he was stuck producing these things. So it was, it was <laughs> yeah. Alfred and... <laughs> And me and uh, so we were pretty much left on our own, and we would have these we have these matches. So you guys got to do something in between. And I remember in Stanford they had this gigantic closet that was you know this storage area, and it had all these props that were left over from wow. different. Literally, we would go in there and, and just look for stuff. And I, you know, I remember they had done something with uh, tugboat. So they had all these naval-themed things. And I said, Alfred, let's do something with this. You know what? So I got the hat. <laughs> we really, we, we would just make make it up on the fly. I mean, we would just do, <laughs> like, and we were completely on our own. Uh, you know, and, and I look back now because eventually it got to Vince, and, and it was, you know, what the hell's going on? You know, <laughs> we looked at some of the stuff we were doing. <laughs> but it's look back now is that that is, was very encouraged for a while. You know, you know, anything but wrestling, you know, outside a lot of these things, the wraparounds. And we were just, we were just making it up as we went. Sure. And we had a blast. I mean, Alfred and I had so much fun because they just left us alone. Yeah. And we would just come up. We, we did one, <laughs> one time we did one in the van where we were driving around. And yep. 
trying to get to a destination. Yes, yes, I remember that one. Yeah, and it was we really we made up bits, you know, where the thing breaks down, and we're like, Alfred, you get under there, and then you know, I'm going, Alfred, you need this rent, you know, I want to fall on his head, you know, just we had a blast because Alfred, he had such a great sense of humor. I had so much fun. He was just such a great guy. Did you guys think of these like themes like for these tapes, I guess, like this was just all on your own, like nobody wrote this or anything because they're very like beloved by a lot of fans, like oh, Invasion 92, yeah, like, you know, you know like, the Star Trek theme. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Star Trek one. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. They that actually they they had to put some real, you know, production time into that because we right. <laughs> we had to get beamed up and stuff right <laughs> what about the one with the with your big coat and the coat keeps getting bigger mega matches mega matches <laughs> oh yeah i think one of our favorites too is hottest matches where hottest you get, matches where you're sweating the whole oh, time right. i'm sweating through yeah. the whole t- <laughs> and then i my, my bad sergeant slaughter imitation when i did i did one with where i was supposed to be in a, you know the army yes guy. We driving around in a jeep and i'm inspecting everybody and yeah, I'm not going to lie, Sean. That was pretty bad. <laughs> it was bad. But I'll tell you, man, I had so much fun. I did have fun doing it. That's for sure. I, you can tell. Uh, Sean, one of the most beloved figures of this period of time is Bobby the Brain Heenan. And I know that you worked with him on numerous occasions. You were the subject of some heckling. You know, of course, who comes from him? <laughs> I noticed also you did, um, believe it or not, I remember this, from 91, a live MSG show or two with him. What was it like working with Bobby Heenan? Oh, Bobby it was, you know, genuinely, and somebody had tweeted me about him, you know, he was genuine. I mean, off camera, on camera, he, Bobby was always on. And he he really genuinely, you know, he, he really could have been a comedian. I mean, there's no question about it. And the, that was the thing. Remember when they gave him his own show? The problem was see, Bobby needs to play off somebody. That's why Gorilla mm-hmm. and him worked so well together, because it was a comedy shows like you know uh, Cros- Crosby and Hope you know I mean it was uh, that's how it worked and Bobby just needed people to play off well, when they put him in that situation where he was the host it, he didn't have that element yeah. you know right, he needed right. gorilla, somebody but uh, yeah Bobby was is one of the funniest human beings I've ever known in my life you know yeah he really really and and it, and it was it always treated me really well you had to earn it with those people. It didn't just happen, you know, and that's, and then once you were kind of in and then you were in, you know, you were in for life with those guys. What was it like working for Vince McMahon? Give me a typical day or work week with Vince McMahon as your boss. Well, I always, you know, tell people it was really, it was a love hate relationship. You know, <laughs> uh, I can't, you know, the, over the years, people tried to get me to talk about uh, the relationship and what we, you know, what it was like. And, and, and I never did those interviews when I left and I, I you know, and, and there's always been this, how did you leave? Uh, did you get fired? Or, and it wasn't like that. It was just at a point where I was just ready to do something else. And the company was in a different place then. It didn't really know where it was, where it didn't know where it was going to go. But I, you know, looking back, if it wasn't for Vince McMahon, I would have, I wouldn't be doing, I wouldn't have done all the things I got to do. You know, I, yeah, I, right. I mentioned the training that I got just from doing the event center. How could, who else has that opportunity to do, you know, the live pay-per-views where you're going out and doing these interviews in front of thousands and thousands of people, the backstage stuff, and just having to be able to think on your feet and, you know, handle any situation, you know, but there were rough times too, the stuff that he, that, you know, he would do and you'd just be going, you know, wow. One story that I, I, I remember vividly is, I can't even remember what show it was. It might have been a main event. I don't remember. But 
you know, some tragic event happens with Randy Savage and Elizabeth and mm. he gets beat or something. And we're backstage and it's just going to be this very emotional, dramatic interview. And Vince told me, you know, just go with it. And when he, you know, ready to wrap it up, I'll let you know. So, okay. So we go on and, and Randy does this whole thing and he just goes on and on and on. And I see uh, Vince kind of off camera and he's like hugging himself. And I'm thinking, what does he want me to do? I mean, hug him, uh, put my arm around him. What do, and, and, and Randy's going on and on and on. And finally he kind of goes to one knee and it's just, and it's just this big dead space. And then I wrap it up. So we get off the air and he goes, what the hell was that? Why didn't you wrap it up when I told you? And I said, wrap it up. When did you do that? He goes, you saw me. I had my arms. I said, Vince, I know a lot of wrap ups. I mean, I know the, you know, the 30 seconds, I, the, the finger going around and around. I know if you go across the throat, I've never seen the hug. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That was, it was wrap up. I'm like, but you know, but you know, he was right. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Sean, I, w- I would be doing our fans, I know this, uh, a disservice if I didn't ask you this next question. <laughs> it's a hot-button issue amongst people of my generation. What the hell was the deal with Ian Mooney? Well, they needed somebody to host that show. <laughs> <laughs> really? What? <laughs> it's weird. And it was, I, it just came down, and uh, so I thought, like, awesome, I get to have an evil twin. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was just going to be – and they wouldn't let me do it. What? No. I mean, I, I want I, – I had like so many how, – how awesome would that have been? I was like, you know, have me doing the event center and then have him knock me out with a chair or something. <laughs> and then he, or he sits at the event center and starts doing all these crazy things. They didn't want it. It was just, no, just play it straight. And and so every week I got to get beat up by Sensational Sherry every hmm. – I don't know if you saw any of those episodes. Yep, yeah, Spotlight, yep. Yep. How much she beat me. Like, <laughs> What was it like working with Sherry? Uh, it was interesting. Every week it was interesting. <laughs> she was a very interesting person. But really, but a uh, heart of gold, though. I mean, she was one of the – really sweet. And she had a lot going on. And, yeah. But, you know, it, it, she was – you think about back at those times when women, it was completely different. It wasn't the diva era, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. She kind of was one of the first who kind of, you know, got beyond the uh, fabulous moolah or something like that. So – you know, I give her a lot of credit for what she did. And, and you know what life was like on the road there. And those guys, uh, including her, were on the road for weeks and weeks and weeks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, you know, she was a very nice person. I don't know. I don't even remember how long that stint lasted where we, where we you know, they had Ian. <laughs> yeah. I always noticed with Ian Mooney. Yeah, Quinn has a very specific question for you, Sean. He's been yeah. meaning to ask you this this whole time when we knew we were going to talk to you. Quinn, go ahead. With the, with the Ian Mooney, was really the only difference? Did you just comb your hair back? Was that it? Because that's all we can tell. <laughs> well, they bought me some new jackets. Okay. <laughs> like, like I didn't, you know, because I always wore the blazer with the WWF right. logo on it. But uh, I remember they, you know, they took me down shopping downtown and <laughs> bought me these plaid jackets and stuff to wear. But that was that was pretty much it. It was it. It just it never believe me. It never made any sense to me. I mean, I, <laughs> like if you're gonna go to this trouble, let's do something with it. You know, could have yeah. been fun. Right. Now, you imagine. Bobby could have done with that with me. Oh, my goodness. You know, just but it was a missed opportunity. You know, it it really was. I want to ask you uh, before we start wrapping up here, Sean, I want to ask you a few more things. We mentioned uh, Vince McMahon. We mentioned Lord Alfred Hayes. We mentioned Bobby Heenan, another person who is one of my personal favorites and Quinn's. And you mentioned him briefly is Gorilla Monsoon. What was it like working with him? Uh, He was a prince. He was uh, he was unbelievable. I'm not kidding. When I, 
if you uh, knew what it was like back at that time, I mean, even, you know, it's a di- it's so different now uh, from, you know, I still keep in touch with, with, with people there and uh, it, it would really, you know, you got to think about the collision of two worlds then with, mm. with people that just like me who, you know, just came from a different world to those people mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, the old school and there, there was, it was the wild west. I mean, those, those locker rooms, it was the wild west and you just had to, you know, really watch yourself every second. And there's stories that one day maybe I can tell. But if it wasn't for people like Gorilla who pulled me aside, you know, a few times and just said, you know, uh, one of the most valuable lessons that, uh, you know, Alfred told me and also, you know, Gino, you know, Gorilla, you know, most people know him, uh, you know, said, look, uh, you know, be you can be friends with these guys, but you're never going to be, you know, their friend. You're never going to be one of them. And as long as you keep that in mind, you're going to be fine. Mm. And that's that's why, you know, it took a year or so, but I never, you know, I saw, I would see guys that would come in, you know, and they'd think that they could be pals with these guys or try and be like them or whatever, and they wouldn't last. And bad mm. things would happen to them. Wow. And I just never, ever crossed that line. I was always, you know, very respectful. I really respected what they did. I understood what they, you know, going out there every night. And it was like getting in a car wreck every night, yeah. those guys. <laughs> And they and I learned how to put them over. That was part of the business, you know. And and so after a while, I, they respected what I did. And like I said, I never tried to cross over. Mm-hmm. I never was one of their buds. I didn't go to the you know when they had parties or something in the room or go out to the bars with them. That you know, bad things happen when, that, yeah. when you do something like that. <laughs> yeah, if you're not really from that world, and I just never tried to to be there. And and that you know, I think there was a mutual respect after that. You know. But Gorilla, uh, he was so much more than a wrestler or, you know, or the talent that he became. And that I think that, you know, Bobby and, and, and Gorilla are the best announced team that I've ever heard. Yep. And I, I don't yeah. they'll never be replaced. I don't know, you know, ever. And, but, but be, all the stuff he did behind the scenes, I mean, because the, you know, he knew the business and he knew, you know, how to, talk to these guys and, and make their characters better. And, you know, gorilla position, his name, the gorilla position for a reason. I mean, right. he really was, you know, very, very involved in it. And he was very loyal to Vince at a time when, you know, the, when Vince was breaking up territories basically. And it came down to a point where those people were like, okay, who are you with? And, uh, you know, gorilla was very loyal to Vince's father and he was, he was very loyal to Vince and, you know, and I would think back at that time. Can you imagine you're you're putting your career, your reputation on the line yeah. by doing that? He yeah. never wavered, as far as I knew. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, an amazing, amazing guy. Yeah, I miss him. Yeah, he was great. I'll give you guys a little tip. But do you remember that they, they <laughs> Gorilla and I did a show in Maryland called Bingo Break? <laughs> nope. 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 Do News not remember me, that one. Keep that with you, and let you guys try and dig that one up. All right. But it was whatever it was. It didn't last very long. It was just something. It was after I left. And uh, but the the greatest part about it is I got to spend a lot of time with with uh, Gorilla. And he would pick me up, and we drive <laughs> in that big Cadillac, and we go to this this uh, studio down in Maryland, in Baltimore. So that, that's a little fun fact for you guys. Nobody else has that. I don't think. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. <laughs> Thank Exclusive you. from Sean yeah. Mooney. Uh, Quinn, you had a question. Yeah, I was just going to say. Um, do you do you think you were hired for like a look because you had mentioned about that separation about 
you know, there was a there was a difference yeah. between you and the other announcers. Like we've noticed this. You, you are were kind, kind of, of like a trendsetter, Sean. Yeah, because you were like a line of like to Pettengill, to, to Michael Cole, Cole to and, uh uh, Todd Grisham, yeah, all these Jonathan the, Coachman, the guy, everyone who came after you. Sports do you think, backgrounds, broadcasting backgrounds. Yeah. Do you think that was part of the reason you were brought in? Well, yeah, and I think you know, uh, Craig was was uh, you know uh, kind of had that look too, and I think that's what he was going for there. Uh, you know, I'm glad that I was able to establish it, um, but I always look back at it and I think you know uh, I was like Marilyn of the Munsters, you know, remember <laughs> this? So, that, but I think that's why my why it worked because I think I had this kind of a fresh view of it. And, you know, I would kind of be, when I was the interview, it wasn't, I don't think it ever came across as me going like, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. But I think it was kind of like, I'm trying to make this, you know, and, and these, these guys, you never know what's going to happen. Right. And I think, so I think that that's kind of why it worked. Cause I was the straight guy, but I think at the same time I had, a, a you know, a little something to it where they knew that, uh, you know, I was into it too, you know, but at the same time, I was, I had this wonder about me all the time when, yeah. no matter who it was with, you know, and, and, uh, and the fact that, you know, it was dangerous to be around this guy, <laughs> you know, and that was part of selling them, you know? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I, I can say with a hundred percent honesty that you were the best version of that role that they've ever had. And I mean that. I'm not just kissing your ass because you're on our show. Yeah, I mean, I agree, too. You it, were it, it, awesome at what you did. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of people nowadays look back at your time with you, especially you and Lord Alford, you know, that team. But lovable. But you <laughs> yeah. as the, you know, the number two to Mean Gene, so to speak, and the guy that did the event, event centers, people look back at that and they're like, wow, Sean Mooney was good. I don't know if you know that. I take that as a tremendous compliment because I think, you know, people have you know contacted me about, you know, where do you think you fit in all this with, you know, the announcers at the W as far as like what I did, you know, and I, I never considered myself a play by play guy. You know, I, I, uh, I think that if, you know, if that's something Vince really wanted me to do, I could have developed into something into being a lot more, but it just never, you know, went to that point. But, you know, my feeling is I really, and I think, you know, there's mean gene, there's Gene Okerlund, and then mm. there's the rest of us. I and agree. If, yep. I, if I really, though, if I somehow, you know, did carve out something that that at that time, because it was such a tremendous era, yeah, uh, one of the best, it makes me feel really good. I mean, it really does. And and you know, I don't know. I would have. I think you know. Look back. I was younger, uh, much younger, and I, I maybe if I would have stuck around a little more, I might have. It might have been different. You know, where I really could have developed mm. into something. But like you said, at the time, a lot was going on with the company. They, it had been kind of this family-oriented uh, theme going, and then we started to change it. And and there was a lot happening. You guys know at that period of time with mm -hmm. Vince and the company and everything. Definitely. So I just felt like you know it wasn't it wasn't like I was saying I got to get away from these people. It's just like maybe it's time mm. to go do something else. Sure. And you know, a year later, I was <laughs> I was at a news station and an, an anchor shortly after that. I mean, I don't know how many people ever made that transition very smoothly, but you know, it it made me feel good that uh, you know I think that what the WWF allowed me to do, and that I was able to go on and do a lot of other different things. But sure. uh, you know, listen, there's still times, and I have gone back and do a few things. Yeah, I got a couple of things maybe coming up with them, and nice. I love it. Nice. I don't know if uh, you know I. I I, I don't think that I would ever 
want to go back into that daily, you know, with those guys, I mean, those announcers now, sure. mm-hmm. they're basically controlled and, and, you know, and that's why I don't fault these backstage guys now. I, I don't think it's because necessarily in that because they don't have talent or they couldn't show more. Right? They're just not allowed to. It's just a different format now. Back then, you know, it was kind of, okay, he's going to come in here and, and this is say something like this, you know? And so we had a little, little bit of leeway here and then Bobby would come in and say something to me, you know, and I, I had really good relationships with those guys. So they trusted me. And that's why I think a lot of time, some of those interviews I thought were really good. You know, oh, yeah. we, we'd get off, you know, we'd be off and we'd be like, oh, that was unbelievable. You know, it, there were like so many moments like that, that you just knew that was good. You know, yeah, that was sure. good. We're doing stuff with like Kurt and, you know, and Bobby when they had that mm-hmm. run and God, I love doing interviews with those guys and, you know, the guy Demolition, Axe and Smash were really good. You know, <laughs> just so many of those guys were just really good at promos. You know, sure, Jake. Right. Jake. Oh, Jake was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that period of time, I was fortunate in, in that they were still trying to figure out what are we doing with all this. And so we got a lot of chances to do things, you know. Sure. So, yeah, it's great. Sean, you're, in, in my opinion, you know, you are underrated as far as what you did i think if you weren't there you know it would be noticed you know there there are times and i mean this again when you kind of left in mid 93 and pettengill was your eventual replacement i like pettengill by the way i like todd pettengill but for the record yeah very talented great guy but your presence i think was missed for the rest of 93 as they you know they kind of creeped into a new era so to speak after that but there was a definite difference when you were gone, and I think that kind of speaks to what you were able to do there. There is something to be said for the way you conducted the backstage interviews uh, at WrestleMania. And even with the celebrities. With the celebrities, with uh, I'll never forget, and I know Quinn won't either, <laughs> your interview with... Um, Mary Tyler Moore at WrestleMania <laughs> Six. We always quote it. She'll always be Mary Richards to me. Yeah, right. And she had no clue. Remember, she everything I said. She just like repeated. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> Best of theatrics yeah, or whatever she, she, she says. She had no clue. Yeah. How, how about my worst celebrity encounter? What's that? But was the first interview ever was uh, was the first WrestleMania was what five? I and yeah. I interviewed and it, it. I was so I was so green and so oh. nervous. Couldn't like I couldn't even, like I said I think I said Donald J J Trump I, and I yeah. couldn't even just came out. You said <laughs> Donald Day Trump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just so and that was that was the first live interview and here I'm interviewing Donald Trump who was multi billionaire guy and yeah. he wasn't the president but you know what I mean it was like <laughs> yeah this is funny and then the next interview I got licked by the bushwhacker so it's kind <laughs> of a circle you know yeah uh, one more thing I want to mention you mentioned though Joe about uh, why it worked in a lot of ways or me when I left that people missed it is the, the event center basically went away after that. I don't think they had anybody else who had the stamina who could do it really. Mm, but right. what I think was great about what it, why it, that works so well and why I became, I think I, that a lot of people were, you know, endearing to me is that, you know, I was talking to them every week about their town. You know, mm, we right. really didn't have anybody else doing that, you know, where I was taught, I would mention the, the, you know, and I, and Gene gave me a good tip about, you know, get, find out places around the town, you know, Joe's bar down the street and mention, and I would say stuff like that and find people and people would write me and tell me that it's like, give them a shout out. And <laughs> I think that that really, and, and when I went over, I'll tell you when I went to England for the first time, Alfred and I went over and, uh, people knew me in the United States, but what I was, I went over there and it was unbelievable. I remember all these people were in the lobby 
And I figured, okay, they're here because the guys, you know, here. They, they were like looking for me because I was the lad. Wow. I was the lad. I was the, you know, I was the guy who told them the WWF was coming. And I sure. mentioned the, and people were like slipping notes under my door. <laughs> and I was like, like, what the hell is this? This is crazy. People, you know? But, uh, that's, that's what it was. You know, that yeah. was, that was, uh, anyway, whatever I ever it was, but it was a great time. I, you know, people thought that I didn't, I, I, uh, wanted to get away from it or whatever. And then, you know, that wasn't it at all. I think it took me a while to get a, to, you know, be away. And I was doing these other things with news and, and then I got back into sports to really appreciate that period of time, you know? Sure. And, uh, so I look back at it really fondly and, and it was, it was a great time. I don't know if they'll capture that again. It's, it's very different now, you know? I agree 100%. It is very different. I don't think there will ever, ever be an opportunity for someone to kind of break out the way you did. I do know that you are extremely memorable in terms of fans of, of that generation of wrestling. I think you are one of the underrated talents of that era. I agree. Now I've got this resurgence because people are seeing all this stuff on the network with the Coliseum videos and that kind of stuff. So it's it's been kind of fun. Really oh, oh yeah, no, and I'm as it should be. I mean, your Twitter handle is Sean Mooney Who, so it shows that you're self-aware and have a sense of humor. Yeah. And you know, and, and, and another put another rumor to rest. There was never a Betty Mooney. I, I yeah, did, what is that shit about Betty Mooney? I didn't know that was Bobby. Bobby made Bobby used to always throw that. How's your sister Betty? You know, and it, and it just this just grew. I don't know, but it would have been fun. Maybe I could have been at the arena that night with him when he was in drag. You know, and Betty shows up or something. <laughs> Sean, did you know that's on Wikipedia? You should get that removed. That we could be the source for that. There was no <laughs> Betty Mooney. Yeah, I, yeah, you are. But you know, that's funny. I don't even know how you would adjust something like that. But I've always gotten a, a kick out of the Wikipedia stuff. They had me, you know, born in Phoenix for. Years. You're from Rochester, I thought. I was born in New York. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just like, that's what I want to think. Okay, whatever. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your schedule to talk to us today. I'm sure our fans are pleased. I'm definitely pleased that we get to talk to Sean frickin' Mooney. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's awesome. I, I, it is. I, I can't thank you enough either. This yeah. has just been fantastic. As, as wrestling fans for over 20 years each. And by the way, Sean, we're in, the, we're in New Jersey. I remember you on WWOR in the mid nineties, believe it or not. Yeah. You're talking about full circle. Uh, Tim McCarver used to throw to me from the Met games. <laughs> Go to my old pal, Sean Mooney. And it was true. I mean, I, you know, it was it's so funny. It is funny. Good luck with the show guys. I, uh, I hope it continues to grow. Have me back sometime. We would love to, Sean. And thank you very much for the bumper, by the way, the intro bumper. Yeah, I improvised a little. <laughs> we love it. It's awesome. Thank you. All right, Sean. <laughs> thank you so much. Have a great day, whatever you're doing. All right, guys. Good chatting with you. Take care. Thanks so much. Thanks. Well, folks, what can we say? Sean Mooney. Wow. <laughs> I, I am eternally grateful for that. Yeah, me that too. That was fantastic. So obviously our, our thanks go out to Sean Mooney for this wonderful little interview. And we hope you fans like that. So obviously, Quinn, people can find us on Mondays. You know, this upcoming Monday, we'll have a regular episode coming out. We hope you folks stick around and listen to us. We're our vantage point, the retro wrestling podcast. Yes, we are. And there's really kind of nothing wrong with just subscribing to us on iTunes, perhaps. It's really not a bad idea. I no, would say. You, you get all this great content. Yeah. It's all free. I mean, yep. so why not? It's yeah, free. Not? Yeah. You know what it is? It's a good way to kill like 
90 minutes of your day, maybe your commute, something like yeah. that. So, folks, if you like this show, check us out on our normal show, our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Find us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can also email us at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, Quinn, the website. Yeah, the website, OVPPodcast.com. And we got all the links and everything there. So all the information you need about That's us. Right. So, folks... Thank you so much for listening. Once again, a big thank you to Sean Mooney and his brother, Ian Mooney. Yes. But not his sister, Betty. Not his sister, Betty. <laughs> but thank you to Sean, Ian, and Betty. <laughs> Folks, have a great rest of your day, whatever you're doing with it. Hopefully, you'll catch us on Monday. See ya. See ya. Standing by right now is our colleague, Sean Mooney. Hello, everyone. I'm Sean Mooney back here at the WWF Event Center. So much happening in the World Wrestling Federation. So much happening right here Monday night, July 11th at the Cow Palace. I know some people who are very excited about this one. All my good friends, Courtney and Justin Anderson, Jeremy Lopez. Come on, Jeff Kuyper. It's all going to happen right here Monday night in a great card coming your way. A big match, a return title match. Honky Tonk Man will defend his title against Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Jimmy Hart has been banned from the building. Six-man tag team competition. Strike Force was to be involved in this one. Rick Martell out with a concussion. Tito Santana will team with the Ultimate Warrior and Hillbilly Jim. They will meet Demolition Axe and Smash, along with their manager, Mr. Fuji. Ken Patera to meet Dino Bravo, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, and Bad News Brown. But a big match will feature Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Andre the Giant. You won't want to miss the big man in the ring. You will meet Hacksaw Jim Duggan. But there is so much more. The Shut, Shut up, up Mooney! Mooney. Mooney.